I'd never experienced real, real suicidal thoughts until after coming out as trans. I can only explain it as I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live anymore. Who did you go and tell first? You go straight to your mum and your old man again? I knew that, that this was going to hurt. They gave birth to a daughter, yeah. named that daughter. They've had 28 years of Jess. How are you going to be treated? The abuse that you're going to get, you know, trans people are attacked and murdered. Your existence is questioned constantly within the media, you know, it's... You are born with it. You don't get to choose it. Are you happy today? Happier than I've ever been. I want to inspire people to realise that you are the revolution that you're waiting for. I realised at that point, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be here. Transitioning doesn't just affect me, it affects everyone around yeah. me. People don't agree with it, yeah. you know, and my mum didn't say this to me at the time, but her biggest fear was... Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Jackson Feely is a trans activist and motivational speaker. He transitioned while still serving as a prison officer almost two years ago. By being open and honest about his journey, allowing people to make mistakes and really showing the power and vulnerability, he's given people all around the world the belief and courage to change their own lives. This is the eventful life of Mr. Jackson Feely. Jackson, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. I'm to be here. Yeah, mate, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's roll the way back. Where did you grow up and when did you first have the feeling that you were in the wrong body? Um, so I grew up in Wigan, in the northwest. Yep. Um, and there's kind of two answers to that question. So I only started really exploring and accepting the fact that I needed to transition at the age of like 26, 27 years old. Mm. But going through this journey now, I'm, I'm 29, and I've been going through this for the past two and a half years now. When I look back and I see me being from four or five years old I absolutely knew but I just didn't have the vocabulary to verbalize how I was feeling back then mm. there wasn't the visibility that is building now there wasn't you know there was no way of explaining how I was feeling so when I look back at, at Jess as a, as a child the way I was or the decisions I made or you know the, the crippling anxiety that I used to experience you look back at all those behaviors now and, and I just think, oh my God, like mm. absolutely new, mm. but didn't know what it was, if that makes sense. Yeah, so when you, so in that age, what, you said you kind of knew you were different. What was mm. that feeling like at the sort of four, five, six? Um, I mean, my mum describes it as I was always uncomfortable. I always had like an element of feeling uncomfortable about things, so, um, I was a tomboy, you know, I was I, I was I was obviously a little girl, but I was a, I was a tomboy, so I liked, you know, wrestling with my dad and you know, I'll have the tractor instead of the pram and and whatever yeah. else. Um but as I as I sort of grew up within my childhood, there was always an element of anxiety with things and not really feeling okay and overthinking things and um making stupid decisions like I would always feel in myself like I needed to start again. 
Like I needed to go and be the real me. Mm. And I had all these friends, but I felt like I had no friends because there was, that belonging for me inside internally wasn't there. So for example, when I was 14, I just decided that I needed to move schools. And I was quite happy in my in my high school. I was, you know, I, I was playing sport. I, was, I had friends, there was not, not a problem. But I just decided in my head, I need to move school. I need to go and start again. I need to go and be the real me, so to speak. Yeah, wow. And I convinced my mum and dad, like, that I was so passionate about this that I needed to move. And so after like months, they let me. And two months later, I wanted to move back. Right. And thankfully, they obviously, they let me move back. But decisions like that constantly were, I need to change. I need to go and be the real me. You know, I would, I would buy boys clothes, but then leave them in my wardrobe because mm. I knew I would never wear them. I would just leave them there just for like maybe one day. And it would just be really strange things like that. And I used to break down shopping with my mum for clothes because I didn't want to shop in the girls section because I didn't feel girly and I didn't think that suited me. But I couldn't shop in the boys section because I was a girl. Yeah. And that like stood out like a sore thumb. And the amount of times I'd like run out of shops crying because I just felt so uncomfortable but obviously at that time, I just didn't know why. Mm. And I didn't look like a boy, you know, I didn't. No, I've seen, I've seen photos, you're, you're a good looking female, <laughs> wasn't it? Um, yeah. But I don't know whether it was something about me, but there was always, um, if I had an argument with someone in school or, you know, something, it, that was always the go-to insult for me, you know, you're a man and but your you that was your go-to. No, no, from people from to calling people. me. Oh, like, really? Even at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like, from going to high school especially, that was the insult. You know, what, if rough, you're like, what roughly? What year roughly are we talking here? Probably from the age of eleven. Probably from what like year, year seven. In terms of how old? You know, you were you were seven, eight, nine, ten. What year? About was that? eleven years old. Nineteen ninety-five. We're talking oh, late nineties. Um, I was born in ninety-three. So, so early two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. And that was sort of the 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 go-to insult really for me when I like fell out with someone or you know what kids kids can be awful yeah. and you've got lads in high school and the, and they used to ask my friends like why are you mates with Jess she's a man why, why I don't get that bit because I, and I'm, I'm you look what I've seen on your socials you look like a full-on girl yeah yeah. yeah so, so I, and especially in school whether yeah. it was because I, I wasn't the girl who wore makeup or I wasn't really girly or I was just I was so into my sport because I thought if I if I used to believe that if I could make my parents proud, mm. that would make me happy. Yeah. So I was just very invested in that side of things. I wasn't very girly in that sense. And that continued into like teen years and, and adulthood where I would be called a man in places. Like I'd be out in a pub, 18 years old in a dress and six inch heels and long hair. And people <laughs> would come up to me in a pub like, are you a bloke? Well, what? I don't get that bit though, because you don't look like you don't look I, like a bloke. Whether it's just because I was tall, whether it's because I'm part, athletic, you no. know, in your head. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was honestly, I used to get shouted at in women's toilets, really? like this is a you know this is a woman's toilet, yeah, whatever. And at the time, it used to break my heart yeah, because, and it sounds daft saying that now because obviously I, you know I, I identify as male now, but it just used to break me because it's so embarrassing yeah, and yeah. like shameful to have that happen you know nobody wants to be misgendered in mm. any way and mm. i didn't want to be a woman who looked like a man i didn't want to be a man who looked like a woman i just wanted to be myself yeah. and there was just always something that didn't fit when you when you dressed up and went out on a night out did you feel very feminine um 
I tried so hard. When around like sort of between the ages of like 16 to 18, I really tried to be that stereotypical girl from Wigan. Yeah. You know, I really tried to be feminine. I really tried to embrace it. I really tried to go out in, you know, what the other girls were wearing and really try to be that girl. Yeah. Um, and for a little while, I, I sort of believed that that was all right. But there was always issues with my mental health. Yeah. You know, dipping and, and anxieties and just not really okay. Was it because it was the unknown? Because you're talking transgender. Mm. For me, when, when when you reached out and said, oh, this, I'd love to come on your podcast, and we spoke, I don't know what to say, what not to say, and you were I like, know, just yeah, say yeah, it, yeah, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> because that's exactly yeah. why I do this. Yeah, okay. That's exactly why I want to do what I do, because I don't, I've spent my time in the last couple of years making it known that it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Because you can give someone the information, if they, if, they, if they, someone's not being very nice, you yeah. can give them that information. Yeah. If they then take that away and change their mindset yeah. and come back and go, actually, yeah, you know, I yeah, think differently. I get it, yeah. Then you've changed the mindset. Yeah. But if I give you the information and you decide you still want to be an arsehole, yeah. then you're an arsehole. Yeah. So that's all I can do. You yeah. know, if you if you don't want to change, that's you're not going to change. But I think by giving people the information in the right way mm. and allowing people to make mistakes... Like, how is anyone going to learn mm. if we don't have these uncomfortable conversations? If you said something wrong, you know, just then, and I jumped down your throat, yeah. that's not going to want to make you understand more. Yeah. That's going to make you retreat and go, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Like, I can't do well, it. Well, I, I guess it's one of those things you go, like, when I put the phone down, when we spoke first time, I said to my wife, oh, thank God for that. He said, I can say what I want. But literally, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, but, but that's, it upsets me because yeah. I, I'm like, I don't want people to feel like that around yeah. me. I don't like it, you know, yeah. it, and it makes me want to go, it's all right, you know. Yeah. Um, but this and, is a nice conversation to have because there'll be thousands of men listening to this going, oh, God, I've just been told in layman's terms that it's okay to... Yeah. have these conversations yeah. rather than go oh it's transgender what do I do uh, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to have the conversation you know what I'll leave the conversation yeah, yeah and okay. I think it's just important for anyone who is is you know beginning to transition to listen to this because mm. it's important to allow people that time and that space to mm. grow and learn because we can't normalise the topic if we leave everyone in fear of it because yeah. everyone's terrified of saying something wrong and getting sacked or getting in trouble yeah. or getting whatever persecuted for something that wasn't malicious in the first place. Mm. So I think it's just important to have these conversations mm. in the right way. Did you have any information when you were 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 to go, no. I'm going to Google this, transgender, what's go there was nothing out there? No, nothing. Okay. Um, I mean, there wasn't really... Because obviously, first I came out as a gay woman, <laughs> but okay. there wasn't really even hold on, hold on, much hold on. on that. This let's, is what let's I mean. Roll this back we've, a bit. We've, we've gone way ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's roll this back. Come back. So, when, at what age, 16, 18, at school, you started to <clears> have <throat> these feelings? Did you think you could be lesbian? So, like, I tried to be that girl between yeah. like 16 and 18. I had boyfriends. I tried to be that girl, like, with everything in my power. I tried. Yeah. And my mental health just just wasn't all right. I couldn't find what was going to make me happy. Um, I was constantly trying to fill a void, you know, yeah. like I'll, I'll buy a house, that'll fix it. I'll change my car, that'll fix it. I'll change my friendship group. I'll yeah, do okay. this, I'll do that. And there was always a time cap on a, on whatever I would pick to, you know, to fill. Like yeah. I'd do my house up, that, that kept me happy for yeah. six months. I got a new car, that kept me happy for two okay. weeks. You know, yeah, it, was, okay. it was like always trying to find something. Were you constantly trying to make yourself busy so you didn't have to think about it? Yeah, I've always been like terrified of my own mind. Right, okay. And 
from from being really young and i've only really thought about this recently from being really young to being about 24 25 i used to always say these little like like affirmations in my head you know mm. like a little bit of ocd from from being like a little kid and i used to always say to myself like over and over again please everything be okay yeah i would never change anything please don't anything bad happen mm. and i love being a girl and I think about that now, like, and it just used to go around and around in my head. Like, mm. I wouldn't even think about mm. it. I'd say it a million times in bed before I went to sleep yeah. or, you know, little like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think, oh my God, like you've spent 20 years trying to convince yourself yeah. that you was happy being a girl yeah. because, and I think it's because I loved everything else that I was. I mm. loved Jess, mm. but the image of her wasn't aligned with me. And I think that's why it was just all, when I look back now, yeah. in answer to your question, I knew Mm. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um. So I got to the point where I was 18, 19 years old and I really wasn't happy. I was working in Total Fitness full time and um, I, I just sort of wasn't really okay, like mentally. Yeah. And um, I decided to join the RAF because... So you were working in a gym? I was working in a gym, yeah. And then you're like, right, okay, I need to get away from this. So, I, I'd, I'd, so I'd gone to university yeah. and then two Which months... Which one? I'd left. I went to UCLan in Preston. Yeah. Um, but two months and I was like, I'm not doing this. Okay. And... Why was that? When you went to uni, was that another thing to say, I'm going to get away, move away, and hopefully things will change? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's deep Just, down in yourself that yeah. you needed to... Yeah, because yeah, happiness okay. is an inside job, Absolutely. isn't it? And, and at the time, I was just constantly just needing something to fulfill me. I was someone who needed to be physically and mentally challenged all the time. And mm. I'd always thought about going into the police. So I was like, right, I'm going to go into the military. You know, it's it's this stereotypical masculine role. Yeah. It puts me in a uniform. Um, it allowed me to play sport. You know, I, I was heavily involved in rugby. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually came to Bournemouth Sevens as Jess. Have you? Is yeah, that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, years ago, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, with, um, with the RAF team. Oh, wow. What year? Do you remember what year that was? Uh, I'll go through my Facebook oh, find the memory oh amazing yeah. is that I was very drunk yeah that's what most of us 30,000 people were drunk on that weekend <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah so so I made the decision to join the military and um, I joined and you know me and my family thought this is it and how old were you then I was 19 19 okay it's like you've, we've cracked it yeah. yeah you know I was I was in a uniform it made me stand tall it yeah. made me stand proud I didn't have to think about what to wear, which was something that, oh, that course, crippled yeah. me. Um, I didn't have to think about makeup. You know, I could just play sport and I was into my fitness and it was regimented. It gave me structure. I just didn't have to think. I yeah. didn't have to be, I didn't have to sit with Jess. Yeah. I could just be me. And that was one of the best decisions I've yeah, ever made. You know, I've, I've got so much pr like pride for being part of it. Yeah. And it was incredible. And... What a breakthrough um, for you. Yeah, like it was, honestly, and I would advise any young person yeah. to think about joining the military because it, it takes you away from that small town mentality yeah. mentality, mm. and shows you that there's this other world. Mm. So, But even I, that point you say there of the stresses of what am I going to wear today? Yeah. You go to the RAF, everyone wears the same clubber. Yeah. Off you go. And, it, and it's, stuck, yeah. it's really stuck with me. Like yeah. for the next 10 years, I struggled out of uniform, yeah. you know, and um, so again, the next, you struggled you right up until the present day. I, I have, I've, I'm getting better now, but of what to wear, of being out of uniform, uh, okay, used okay. to just make me I'd fall off, okay, you know, like without that, without that, without that uh, routine and the uniform, like I could finish work at lunchtime, say in the prison now, yeah. 
and I could be really productive for the rest of the day if I stayed in my uniform, yeah. you know, like nip and do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment I have to get changed, uh, my head falls off. Yeah, I'm okay. like, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't know who I am. It's like yeah. my, it was like my identity. Yeah. And um, so, but when I did join the, the RAF, obviously, I was then surrounded by all of these strong, independent, powerful, like they knew the self, lesbian women. Yeah. And, you know, that then affirmed to me that this really is who I am. You know, yeah. they, they'd like me, you know, they don't dress like a boy, they don't dress dead girly, they're just like me. You know, yeah. we're playing rugby, we're doing this, Brilliant. we're in uniform. It was just the, the amazing and we really thought that that's it, I'll be in the military forever, you know, I've, I've cracked it. And, um, and I spent the next four years, like, loving it. I was mentally and physically challenged all the time. Um, and... The more I got into the rugby, the more I was I was doing that more and more. And um, what happened was I was on a I was on like a tactical unit for the first three years. So I, we flew everywhere around the world, basically guarding um, planes and personnel Lovely. and whatever else. So what I went can, to what like countries? the best and the worst. Go on. Uh, Kenya, Iraq, Cyprus, Sierra Leone, um, all America, all over. Cool, is it? Um, and we used to go for like Norway for 20 minutes or like America for 10 days, you know, it was yeah, great. Yeah. And it was it was something that I loved because I was just, I was never still. Yeah. I was always just on the go. And then um, for my last year, uh, they actually wanted me to play more rugby. Yeah. So they wanted me to be closer to um, Litchfield to, play, to yeah. play rugby. So I moved, I got posted to Bryce Norton. And um, <coughs> sorry, I've got a bit of a cold. Mm. And then... Um, what happened was I then got posted to um, to be an intelligence analyst, which was effectively intelligent analyst. Analyst, okay. Which was effectively a desk job. Yeah. Which I thought would be fine because I'd be playing rugby and it was okay. Mm. But within a matter of weeks, I had to sit with Jess. Right. Because okay, I was at okay. a desk. Oh god. Okay. I was in the same place yeah. every day. I wasn't going anywhere. It was a really quiet office with like three people. You know, I was, I was only again. playing rugby like a few times a week yeah, and then okay. going on whatever we were doing. So all, as much as I could play rugby, I couldn't, I wasn't doing anything else in the week. Yeah. And I literally deteriorated so fast. And um, that was sort of happening. And then I got sent on tour. So I went away and did a tour of, of Cyprus and Iraq for four months. And during that time, I made the decision to leave the military which was quite spontaneous because it was I loved the military. Yeah. But I knew that I wasn't okay. okay. And I knew that I just needed to go home yeah. and be with, like with my mum and just be at home and there was just something wrong like my mental health was just dipping like all again, all over again. Did that stem from did that stem from <coughs> that desk job that you mm. moved to? Yeah. That triggered it again because you had your own thoughts. Yeah. The little man on your shoulder talking about being Jess. Yeah, because it okay. it wasn't it wasn't me thinking about being trans, yeah. it was just, I was just depressed. I was yeah. depressed and anxious and comfortable and I just couldn't sit with me. I could never just sit with Jess. There was, I was just uncomfortable. Did you never think about it going, hold on a minute, get me away from this desk job, get me back into the mix again? I couldn't you because couldn't. you can't, when that's happened, it's not, when you've been posted, you've got no control over, okay. you know, you've got no control over whether you go on tour, you've got no control over where you get posted. Okay. You've got, you know, the element of the rugby made made the move happen yeah but i couldn't then reverse it yeah and um 
I just knew. I just knew that I wasn't okay. And what was rugby like for you, actually getting yourself away and, and playing Tuesday, Thursday, Oh, it was amazing. Saturdays. Yeah. It was amazing, especially yeah. with the RAF team, because you'd go away for like a two-week camp yeah. and do inter-services and whatever else, and I made some of the best friends I've, I've ever had, yeah. because it was... You know what it's like, like that camaraderie. And you can't beat it. Yeah. There isn't can, a sport you can beat from yeah. rugby. Yeah. And you get that in the military, but then on top of that, military people playing rugby. Yeah. It's like, an, it's just another world. Yeah. Like it's so tight and it's, you know, it, it was amazing. Mm. And even then, you know, because I wasn't okay, I cha- I started to change then. Just. How old were you then? I was 23. Okay. Something like that. Um, And so what happened was when you, and you notice it in the military, you have to give a year's notice. How long? A year. A year. Well, so if you say, I want out, you've got to wait another 12 yeah, months yeah, yeah. so you can actually leave. Mm. What happens if you I want out and then just leave? Well, you... What you happens? Wanted. <laughs> AWOL. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but obviously, if you find a job, they, don't, they won't stop you progressing. Mm. So if you have, like, a career opportunity, then that could get you out sooner. Yeah, okay. Um, so I handed my notice while I was on tour. I came back off tour and... Obviously, your head is a little bit all over the mm. place anyway. Um, and I literally didn't leave my mum's side for about two months. Okay. Like her, she was a mobile hairdresser at the time, and I literally just went everywhere with her. Like, that's your safety. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't look at anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, I just couldn't... I, I just couldn't function. I couldn't stop crying. I didn't know what was up. I, I was just a mess. And I felt like my personality had just fell out of my body and had just disappeared. And... Um, I ended up obviously off sick from the military because that was just making me worse sitting at the desk. And you say you're off sick, so you had your notice in. Yeah. How long did you have to do before you were sick and said I'm not coming back? Um, so I was off for a couple of months when I got home anyway. Yeah. And then I don't think I think I went back for a few weeks and I just couldn't. And, okay. I, and I went off. Did they get it? Um, did you tell them what was going on? I didn't know. Okay. I was just depressed, and that's the first time my mum made me go and and talk about it and go on ended up like taking antidepressants and things like that and um because before i'd always i'd always refuse that you know i've always been like so strong-minded like i'm all right i just need fitness i need this i need that and um and i remember saying to my mom uh one day when i come back i said to her is it because i want to be a boy Is, is that why i'm like so depressed is that what's wrong with me and at them in that moment she sat there and she was like no like of course not you know mm. you're like you're this beautiful athletic woman like yeah. that's why everyone loves you you're so unique yeah. you know you wouldn't she always used to call me miss congeniality you know <laughs> like no you wouldn't be you if you weren't jess yeah and and in that moment that's kind of what we both believed and she tells me now you know if if i'd have turned around and said yeah jess you know you should you should be a boy and you'd gone Right, when my mum said it's all right, that's what I need to do. Yeah. And then it was the wrong decision. Mm. She would never forgive herself. Mm. So she was like, I, I, it has to come from you. Like, if that's how you feel, that, you know, she didn't say that at the time, but she tells me now. So in that moment, that's kind of what we both believed. And, and I kind of buried that again. And that was the first time I'd really brought it to the surface. Yeah. Um, and luckily I'd applied for the prison service whilst I was on tour. And that obviously that came through, which then got me out a few months earlier. So I effectively went straight into the prison service, which so another was uniform. a brand new void to fill. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Like new, new uniform, new people, new challenge. It's different every day. You know, in a prison, you're, you are mum, dad, therapist, fireman, yeah. policeman, nurse, whatever yeah. it is. You, you're that person a million times a day. And 
it was the camaraderie again. It was give me the uniform. It was the perfect in between for me between military and civilian life. Like I was serving and I was in a uniform, but I could be at home and I was I was all right. And then and I bought a house, so I was filling that bit. And Brilliant. you know, so I was I, I was just constantly filling yeah. it with shit, with yeah. surface level shit. And um, sorry, can I swear on it? Yeah, mate. well, you do whatever. <laughs> and um, so that's what I did. So okay. for the next two years. You were a prison officer? I just buried it, yeah. Okay. Um, were you just rolling back a bit there? You said that like, you had relationships with uh, boys, yeah. 16, 17, 18. When was your first relationship with a girl? Um, so I joined the RAF when I was 19, so probably when I was around 20, okay. quite, quite soon into the RAF. Um, and obviously I came out for the first time. <laughs> what, when you, so when you, when, you, when you pulled a girl for the first time, did you think, oh my God, I've, I'm actually a lesbian? Or I'm so, gay, or so I'm bi, you, you, you or you have what went like on? you obviously have um, like I was obviously I was having thoughts about it before I joined. Yeah. Um, what about other women or? Yeah, just okay. about the potential of me being yeah. gay, you know, yeah. and, and you find like programs or whatever, and yeah. you, you think, well, this is my, this might be what I am. Yeah. Because at the time, ten years ago, I didn't know any gay women in Wigan. Well, you wouldn't get any in Wigan. Or, well, I'm sure you know there mean? are in Wigan, but yeah, loads now. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, like <laughs> but there's loads. Um, but because it's so well, it's so much more. Um, accepted yeah. and it's you know it's accepted it, everywhere now I think, yeah, it's, I think like, it's fantastic trans is kind of yeah. where gay was 30 years ago oh, exactly that you know, it's just trying to break the ceiling yeah, yeah. and because um, gay 20, 30 years ago was just like yeah oh God, they're right. nans. Illegal. two blokes old nans two girls old nans now it's just like happy days go for it long, yeah. as long as everyone's happy great yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah. What I mean? that's how it yeah. that's how it is so so that's in an amazing place yeah. now but 10 years ago when I was about to come out as gay yeah. I was shitting myself in Wigan like, yeah because like, <laughs> like I was like a oh tough my northern, god yeah. tough northern town isn't it <laughs> so I, I gathered my family around the table the first time so yeah. I've always been so close and they were like my my closest people and my mum my dad and my brother and my sister and I like gathered them around the table and I was crying and I was squeezing my sister's hand and and uh, and my dad just came out of it. It was like, you're gay, aren't you? So we did. And, I, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. quality. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we and they were because they expected it, they all knew before I did. Yeah. Um it was fine and we all had a great conversation and they just they accepted it and it was brilliant and it made a laugh and a joke about it and it was it wasn't a problem. And was there was there anything that, you know Mum and dads have got a sixth sense, right? They all kind of know what's they're, they're clued up. I'm, I'm guessing your mum probably was more clued up. But was your dad a tough lad from Wigan, man's man? What? what how, tell me that dynamic and how he reacted because it has not. It will have a ripple effect, a knock-on effect for oh God, yeah. your brothers, your sisters, your mum, your dad, your gran, and etc. Yeah, etc. What yeah. was that like? Um, so do you want me to go straight to coming out the second time or do you want me to carry on? I want to, I want you to coming out the first time. When you, when you told your mum and dad that you are gay. Okay. Um, my dad is very much, like, reminds me of Peter Kay. Like, he's just, he's just <laughs> so... What, he looks all he's, funny or... He's just, fu he's, his mannerisms, like, he's okay. just so funny. Yeah. He's just so northern. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he makes himself laugh. Like, he makes, you know, he's... Yeah. But he's a he's a man's he's a wig he's a man from Wigan. Yeah, okay. You know, he's that's how he's been brought up, that's how he yeah. is. Um and in terms of being gay, I think because they expected it, because I'd always been this tomboy, I think they'd talked okay. about it for years before I'd even yeah. let it enter my head. Because I was too busy trying to be this girl. Yeah. So um that one was fine. Um And what age were you then? Twenty. 20 yeah. Okay. 
and, and you were still in the RAF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and that relationship with your first relationship, did you have other relationships after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had other relationships, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I had quite a few relationships with women. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mate, it was never a problem for my mum and dad. You know, it, it took a bit of adjusting, but not nothing really. And was, did that feel really comfortable going? I'm actually gay. This is actually, this is, this feels right. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, okay. percent. And especially with the people I was around, and I was around so many friends who were like who were gay as well, yeah. um, because you know there is there is statistically more gay women who join the military. Yeah. You know, the, so I was around the right people, and and that kind of really sort of formed Jesse's identity. Um, and when I come out of the RAF when I was twenty four, mm. obviously I went into the prison service and had that conversation with my mum and then buried it again yeah. for another two years and just became this, you know, good prison officer. I, yeah. I loved it. It was so different. You know, I love speaking to people. I love like solving problems. I, you know, I was fiery. Like yeah. <laughs> I love to scrap, you know, it was <laughs> like, it was, it was just, it was yeah. fun. Yeah. And, um, did and, people know and in I the made prison some surface? incredible friends. Did people know in the prison, did the prisoners know you were gay? Did the officers know you were gay? Um, my off the officers did, yeah. yeah okay. Prisoners make presumptions. Yeah. Um, and did you I don't change? Think they did. Slowly, yeah, I did. You did? You did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So when I first joined, um, I was, um, I had like really long hair still. Obviously, it was tied up. Um, but as those two years progressed, I like had an undercoat and I just, I watch it now and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> And my, honestly, like, my friends look at it now and they're like, how did we not know what you were doing? Like, you were slowly, like, just cutting your hair, you know, like, the undercut yeah. getting higher yeah, and yeah, higher. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, uh, fucking hell. You know, I, mean, I, looked, I looked an absolute state, honestly. I was just thinking my head was in the bin. Um, but, yeah, so prisoners, you know, they make assumptions. And if you piss someone off or tell someone no, you know, they're going to get at you. Yeah. They're going to pick your weakness. So whether yeah. you're a fat, whether you're a slag, whether yeah. you're a dyke, whether you're whatever... You know, trigger warning, sorry. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's what happens. Yeah. So, um, obviously, that's what I got. I got dyke. Um, but, yeah, it was fine. I, like, I, I really enjoyed my job. I had the ability to um, restrain someone, yeah. and then I'll cut the row half an hour later. Right, you know, okay. like, I, I'm not, I don't really, I think because I came from a military background, it gave me that level of banter where I could yeah. just sort of move on quite quick. When someone, when, when the... Uh... When the prisoners would shout stuff out through their cells and stuff, did, mm. you, did you shout stuff back or were you just like, oh, whatever? Um, it's more like when, if you piss them off. Okay. So, you know, you can, ha I would always have a laugh with everyone, but then at the same time, I was never a pushover. Yeah, okay. So, you know, if someone like is refusing to bang up or, or not yeah. doing something they should be and then, or they asked you for something, you say no, yeah. when other officers might say, yeah, yeah. you know, you're the, you're the horrible okay, one. Okay, yeah. So it was more when you, you know, when they can't handle the word no, so you'd, um, what, prison, I, what prison was this at? I work at um, Hinley and Wigan. Okay, and you've been there? Five years. Five years, wow. Yeah, so I spent the first three years as a female officer. Yeah. Um, and so a female officer who everyone knew was gay, and as the yeah. years went on, you were shaving <laughs> up and, and yeah. turning into being... Well, yeah, little did everyone know, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think anyone expected it, honestly. Yeah. I thought I expected people expect, to, ex to expect it, but they didn't. Um, so what happened was two years into my prison officer career, I ended up having a conversation with someone about mental health. And um, and I said it like really blase, not even thinking about it. I was like, I um, I used to str like struggle with my mental health and I used to think I wanted to be a man. And I just like said it like, yeah, I've dealt with that. 
you know like that was yeah. that was a fleeting thought years ago yeah. like it's nothing of the sort now and since i said that it, it was just the like it was just like i'm not going away now and it was just at the forefront of my mind i couldn't get rid of it like and it just led me to going down the youtube hole of yeah. of finding what what this What's was what? like yeah. is, is it even possible like you know i just started to think about things and because i never thought it would be possible mm. especially living in a place like wigan you know at this point i was like there's no chance but i'll have a look yeah and um i spent probably a year living in youtube yeah and f and i started to find all these trans men who were documenting the transition and living a life and being models and changing the body and yeah. you know all these things and i started to become really jealous of these people i was like i could be living that i could be living wow. like that you know and i only realized that it was right for me because i started feeling that yeah i was i was like uh, it pained me to see people doing this because in my head i still thought there's no not a chance yeah. in hell am i doing that yeah because i was so embarrassed and so ashamed of it like and i didn't understand it myself and you were so what well, you were so embarrassed to even have that thought you said yeah i was really? i was just i was i mean obviously i'm not now but yeah I, I how was, old are you 24 well you were 25 did 24 you say? 25 Five. yeah okay um no sorry it was about two years later so i was about 26 at this point okay um so i spent about a year just sort of diving into youtube thinking mm. i'm not going to do it but i'm going to live vicariously through youtube yeah and what i didn't realize was as i was doing this and thinking i was fine i was becoming more accepting of who i really was mm. and i was becoming a really angry prison officer okay and i didn't realize how much my mental health was deteriorating again because yeah. i was focused on this but what i didn't realize was it was making me so angry with the world because i still didn't believe that i could ever have that yeah and i was struggling and i couldn't keep the mask on i couldn't keep this mask because i've always been a happy bubbly person yeah. you know and I, it was it was exhausting because I was trying to keep that up, and um, and I got pulled in at one point uh, by my one of my governors, one of my managers, and I was always a feisty prison officer, you know. But mm. she pulled me in and she was like, "Right, we need to have a conversation." She's like, "I've received several complaints about you from like staff and prisoners, because when your when your head isn't in the right place, yeah. it is the worst place in the world to be." And you start to put yourself and other people in danger when you're absolutely ready for a fight no matter what you know he won't put his shoes on or he, he won't we won't change his flip-flops so you're ready to you yeah. know restrain him like i was just ready all the time i was just angry yeah and um and she said to me i've had this one complaint that i want to read to you and this guy who put this complaint in he was probably twice my size and um obviously at the time i was i was jess i was you know and um and this complaint said, if I could choose between being in a shark tank with a shark or being on the prison landing with Jess Feely, I'd pick the shark every time. <laughs> so was it a prisoner? It's a prisoner's complaint. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I was like... Do you remember how you were? Were you just egg? I was fuming. Yeah, yeah I was just fuming. You just egg -road. You know, like, like, can I do this, miss? Like, no. You, you know, right, okay. But, whereas before, you've got to have an element of like... Yeah. Give and take. Great, yeah. great yeah, area, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Because yeah, yeah. um, otherwise, you know, it's, there's like five of you to under men. Yeah. You've got to have an ability to communicate. So she said this to me and I was like, are you joking? I was like, are you taking this seriously? Yeah. Like, he's a six foot bloke. Like, yeah. what? I'm one I'm one woman. Yeah. I, what, you're telling me I'm terrorising under men? Yeah. 
Like, what? You know, I'm the only one doing my job right yeah. and nobody else is doing this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just absolutely flipped. She was like, you need a mentor, you need this, like, it's not okay, blah, blah, blah. And I absolutely flipped my lid, stormed out of her office, like, went mental. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And um, and I left that office and I went back to the wing and I just, I was broke down. Okay. I was just gone, I was just broken. Um, because it mattered to me. It mm. mattered that I'd spent years building up the reputation of being a good officer yeah. and being passionate about my job and having this ability to be firm but fur and yeah. all these things. And to feel like everyone was thinking of me differently. It hurt me, it upset me, and it also made me realize that something had to change. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I knew then. I knew then that I couldn't do it anymore. You were saying, I just want to rewind a bit. Tell me to shut up, by the way, because I'll just keep going. (laughs) Honestly, Jackson, this is good, mate. This is really good. This is intriguing. (laughs) Um, You said your mental health deteriorated. I don't just want to go, I don't want to fluff over that. Give me an example of what was going through your head. Um, I think I went through quite a bit anyway coming out of the military, as people do, because you become... Coming out of the military is like coming out of prison. Yeah, institutionalized. You become very yeah, institutionalized yeah, yeah. to something where, and for me, it was really good. You know, you eat, you eat the, you eat at this time. You yeah. were this. You do this. You keep fit now. You, you know, and so I think when I lost that, <clears throat> it had a massive impact mm. because I just did not know how to organize my mind. It was just so like I can only explain it as just noise, you know, just like clogged up in my head and. I'd end up, you know, arguing with my partner I lived at, lived at with at the time, mm. and I'd, I'd end up in the garden like punching the bins mm. because she told me that she was going to make runny eggs and they weren't runny. Mm. Okay. Because I was like, but you've said they were going to be runny, yeah. and it sounds like, but I was just so like, you said that I was expecting that I yeah. can't cope with that. Yeah. And I was just a bit of a lunatic, and when I look back at the way I was in the prison, when I talk about my mental health. I thought I was fine. I was just being me and being, you know, having a laugh but being feisty. Just thought that I was being myself. What I really was was suicidal. Yeah. Because I was, I was willingly putting myself in situations where I, what I didn't need to be in, where regardless of whether I had backup or where I was on my own, I was ready. So, I'm putting myself in a situation where ten lads could kick me head in if they want because no one can see me and I'm here arguing over flip flops. Yeah. Because I was so annoyed. Did you, did you, when you had those suicidal thoughts? It wasn't, did, it, I, I didn't have suicidal thoughts then. I didn't know. Right. Like later down the line I did, but at that point, I look at it now and I'm like, you were suicidal. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't know that. I just thought I was being me. When you said you're suicidal, what went through your head? Um. So I'd never experienced real, real suicidal thoughts until after coming out as trans. But before that, it was, I can only explain it as, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live anymore. Mm. Like I was stunted as Jess. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to speak to anybody. I didn't want to be in a relationship. Like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to achieve anything. I didn't want a career. I didn't want, I didn't want anything as Jess. I just didn't want it. I was like, but I don't want to die. Mm. I love who I am. I love my family. Like I, I love my dogs. I love my, I love everything. Mm. So it was just a point where I realized at that point when I had that meeting that if I don't do this, mm. I'm not going to be here. Mm. And I'd always said to everyone my, my entire life, because I've always been so motivated, when it feels scary to jump, that's exactly when you jump. Yeah. Otherwise, you stay in the same place yeah. your entire life. Yeah. 
and that phrase has been the catapult to everything that I've done and everything that I do every day because it was my time to take my own advice. You know, I'd been through all this stuff throughout my life, like constant carnage, causing chaos for my family, chaos for myself. I, I, I'd reached a point now, I was 27 years old. If I don't do this, I'm not gonna be here. Yeah. So I've always said this, I've always said when it's scary, that's when you jump. So that's what I'm gonna do. Like I either do this or I die. So I'm ready to die anyway. So let's do this, see what happens. And if it doesn't work, well, I'm happy. Yeah. Good for you. So. Fucking hell. Um, this is mad. <laughs> <laughs> Never started yet. <laughs> I'm still Jesse. You're like, this is mad. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Oh. Where was the Where was the point, Jackson, when you were like... Jess was crazy enough, mate. Yeah, Jess, fucking yeah he's fucking mad, this one, isn't he? <laughs> when was the point, Jackson, when you made that decision to be trans, mm. who did you go and tell first? You go straight to your mum and your old man again and your family. So I had a couple of drunken conversations in toilets crying to my friends. Yeah. Um, to about two of them um, and then that was it and what were you saying to them I, I just I, I told them and one of them <laughs> one of my best friends Claire she, she, we was in the toilet and I, and I said to her um, I think I need to be a man I think right. I need to be a man and we were both like steaming and she was sat having a wee crying on the toilet going well, what if I fancy her <laughs> <laughs> and she's like one of my best friends yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's you know they were, they, my, my closest friends were incredible yeah. you know they were absolutely amazing they just they saw the the decline in me they okay. saw you know I, I made a documentary like a year ago mm. and listening to all of them talk and they were like you could just see that you were never happy and you were yeah. always like up and down you know you could hit the roof and then you'd be laughing a minute later yeah. and it was just bizarre yeah. and um so I told about two people and then I but I, I wouldn't tell anyone else because I'm so close to my family I couldn't and um, well, you couldn't you couldn't tell your old man and your mum. I couldn't tell anyone else before I told yeah, them. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. And um, and my governor called me back the next day actually, and um, and she was like, I'd calmed down, and she was like, What is it? Like we know, like I know there's something wrong. Like what is it? And she like kicks herself out now because she wishes she'd push more. Yeah, but okay. I was, she was like, I know there's something wrong. Like let me help you. And at the time, I, I said to her like. I, there is something, but I, I can't tell you. Mm. I can't tell you right now. And she was like, right, well, we'll, we'll get you help. Like, we'll get, we'll do whatever you can and, and we'll put you on this wing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm nodding thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm going off sick tomorrow. Like, I'm done. Mm. I'm done. And in my mind, I was done with the prison service. I was done with everything. And, um, and that's what I did. I, I went off sick the day after. And, uh, and I, I knew I had to tell mum and dad. Um, what was that feeling so like? Being different, like telling your mum and dad you're gay, but then going to sit them down and tell them. Absolutely uh, terrifying. Yeah, I bet. Like, I would rather be on a plane to Iraq than. I would rather be on a plane to Iraq than come out as trans and walk back into a prison. <laughs> 100%. Wow, like, wow. Because it's just the most. The, the prison thing weren't even there, but, yeah. but even just telling them, because I knew that this was going to be hell. Mm. I knew that that this was gonna hurt. Like I knew that it was gonna be hard. And I, I tried to go into it with an, um, as much of an open mind as possible because they gave birth to a daughter. Yeah. They named that daughter. They had thoughts and dreams for that daughter. They've had 28 years of Jess. That's not just gonna disappear and I don't mm. want it to. 
and as much as someone doesn't die, you do have mm. to grieve a person. You know, they've had to grieve a person. I've had to grieve Jess, you know, my friends, my family, because transitioning doesn't just affect me, it affects everyone around yeah. me. And yeah. I've got to be prepared for that. I can't just say, this is what I want, accept it. Mm. I don't think it's fair. Mm. So I sat them down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went straight in with a killer punch. So I, sat, so I sat them down, right? So they obviously knew I had some big announcement because yeah. I cause chaos once a year. Yeah. And um, this was eight years later, but yeah. you know, there was always something. So this is a couple of years ago, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 20, at the end of 2020. And, um, and my dad starts suggesting things again, right? So we go, so they all start guessing. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. First one, um, you're pregnant. I was like, no. <laughs> you're getting a puppy. I was like, no. Because that would have been think, I can only, only visualise <laughs> Peter Kay, your old man. No, <laughs> I know. Because that, that would have been kind because I already had two dogs. So yeah. that would have been like, yeah. um, you like men again? I was like, no. <laughs> and then my dad goes, and literally as a joke, he literally goes, you're not having a sex change, are you? Like, I was just sat there and I was like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, like, tell it, like, yeah, I am. And honestly, like he went yellow, like yeah. the mm. shock. He was like, really? Like, really? And I was like, yeah, like that's what's happening. And like the change in that room and the only one who had like a slight inkling was my mum. My sister and my brother had no idea. And you know, my mum says now, like it, it was still like being slapped across the face mm. because as much as she'd had inklings and had conversations, she'd realized in that moment that Jess had actually reached a point mm. where if she doesn't do this, she's not gonna be here. And I think that killed my mum like to realize that i'd got to that point because mm. i think she'd known over the years that i'd been i'd been like struggling with it and um my dad's initial reaction was well, we're gonna have to leave wigan i'm gonna end up punching everybody yeah and my brother was the same um my sister was heartbroken because she didn't know she didn't realize um and it was just it was it was hard it was awful and not because they wouldn't accept me, because it's because when you tell your family and your parents something like that, it's immediate mm. fear. Like fear, how are you gonna be treated? The abuse that you're gonna get, you mm. know, trans people are attacked and murdered on a daily basis just for being trans. Like the, the your existence is questioned constantly within the media, you know, it's my job, like how am I gonna live? Like, can I do this? You know, it's, and it's the unknown and it's lack of understanding and it's terrifying mm. as well as the fact that they've been saying Jess, she, for 28 years, they've got a daughter. Um, So he thought that he was going to end up punching everybody because I was going to be in a world of abuse all the time and that wasn't even thinking about returning to the prison service because I didn't think I could. Mm. Um, So for the, for the first few months, it was, it was hard, like, and me and my dad especially butted heads a lot because... He didn't want to let go of his little yeah, girl. He was I'm like, sure. so so you have to do this or I lose a child. Like, yeah. you know, he was... It, his head would have been all over the place. Oh my as God. A, as like, a dad. Yeah. yeah. And especially, you know, being brought up in, in the ways that they have, yeah. like in that in that that small town and it's not known and it's, yeah. you know, it's 
so it was just, it was hard. And I've tried to go into that, this this space with the most open mind I mm. can because I know that it, it I know that it's going to affect them. And we butted heads for, for a few months. And in the end, I, I literally had to turn around and, and say, listen, like, it's either a dead daughter or a living son. Wow. Like, I, ca I can't do this. Yeah. I have to do this. Like, I, I can't be, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I, I love Jess. Like, I'm not taking her away. I don't want to delete her. I don't want you to delete anything. I'm, I'm not taking that away from you. But if you want, if you want me to stay alive and be your child, I can't have Jess be the image. Yeah. I can't. And, um, and it, it and I said to him, like, I don't care if you call me Jess or she or make mistakes for the rest of my life until mm. I'm 80 years old. Mm. All I care about is that you try mm. and that you acknowledge who I am yeah. because this is who I am and it's not going away. Mm. I can't suppress it anymore. It's taken over me, like, and I think that started to change things. Yeah. And then um, I, so what happened was, when I said I, I was only suicidal after I came out, when when he, when I came out, I um, and and what people admit that they were naive to think is, you've done it now, you should be happy, you know, we all accept you, blah blah blah, because I made like a video on YouTube and basically came out to the world, and um, what it was was because I'd come out, I had to be Jacks, but. I'd then in that moment, I couldn't hide behind Jess anymore. And I'd just lost this ex-military, rugby playing, gay woman that Jess was. Like I'd just lost all of Jess's identity in a minute, but I didn't know who Jax was yet. And I, I still looked very much like Jess, you know, mm -hmm. I still had boobs, I'd not mm -hmm. started hormones. I'd mm -hmm. literally just made this decision. Still mm -hmm. had my little top knot mm -hmm. and I had no idea who, who I was and I ran off. I moved to Brighton. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I was off sick from the prison service still. I was like, I can't do this. I can't have you lot look at me every day. Like I can't have everyone look at me. Yeah. I'm just going. Like I, I, I just wanted to disappear and come back two years later looking like I do now. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go through the journey. I didn't want to go through this awkward in between yeah. feeling like I don't know what I look like and, and how I feel and who's gonna wanna ever be in a relationship with me again, who's gonna wanna be friends with me. Like, yeah. I just felt like a freak. I was mm. just so embarrassed. I was really ashamed of it. And and I, I and I went, I moved to Brighton. And in that time, I realized that that was when I became like seriously suicidal because I was like, what is going on here? Like, I'm meant to be happy. I'm meant to be happy. But that, that in-between stage is horrendous. Mm. And I'd run away from my whole support system because I was, too embarrassed to let people see me. I didn't want people to watch me go through the transition yeah. of trying to look like yeah. like a man, but still looking like a girl. Yeah. And I think you might have done the right thing, going away. I, I, listen, I wouldn't know what to do if I'm honest with you, but actually going away, the thought of doing that transition, living in Wigan, and going through the transition, whatever you, we'll talk about that in mm. a minute, whatever you've gone through, but actually to go away and deal with it, yeah. and then come back. Yeah. Is that? I, I didn't do that. You didn't do that. Okay, I was gonna say. Well, <laughs> no, if I was no, gonna do it, I I'd probably do, it. do that. Because, because but and I wouldn't blame you because yeah. you don't want people to see you in this awkward, in, like in between oh, period. Yes, yeah, what I, I mean. Just felt yeah. like a freak. Yeah, because people will be constantly clocking you, going, 
oh, it's a little change. Oh, I've seen that. Got a goatee. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that. Whatever was going yeah. on. Yeah, like, and, it, and it was just awkward because yeah. people don't understand it and people question it and people... Uh, so the thing I is, just, like, you, you nailed it a minute ago, 30 years ago, yeah. being gay was like, oh, gay, the, now mm. it's all the norm. Maybe in yeah. 20 years' time and the conversations we're having now yeah. and getting it out there, hopefully it will be the norm Yeah, in and the that's next why 10, it's 15. so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, what were you learning? What were you learning on YouTube? What did, what did you have to go through? That period of going, right, I want to be Jackson. Mm. You're going from a fresh slate here. Mm. What do I look like? What's going through your head? You, you said about taking your boobs off. Mm. How did, what, what did you do to your boobs? So Who did it? So um, so what happened was um, I did run off. Yeah. And then I was like, right, I've, I miss my family. Mm. I miss my friends. I miss my job. Like I said I was going to do this or I die. So I'm going to do it proper. Mm. So I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do every every scary thing, like that I can do, and if it fails, I've said I'm ready to die. So I'm going to do this properly, and I'm going to take everyone on the journey with me, and we're all going to learn together, and we're all going to figure this out cool. because I didn't have a clue yeah. about it before I embarked on this crazy yeah. process. So how on earth can I expect anyone else to know what's going on yeah. or know how to how to embrace this? So when I told my mum like I was going to go back to work, I made a decision I was going to go back to work. And never in a million years did I think I could walk back into one of the most volatile places in the world yeah. as a trans man, because people don't agree with it. Yeah. You know, and my mum didn't say this to me at the time, but her biggest fear was, what's stopping five lads dragging you in a cell and raping you, trying to prove you're still a woman? Yeah. And you know, that risk still stands now, you know, but yeah. that risk stands as a prison officer regardless, but it's it's heightened because it's a, it's a disapproved identity. Yeah, yeah. But, God, just say, just saying that there, like, fair play to you. You are, you are, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Jacks was backwards. <laughs> Mate, gee, like, but fair play, man. You're ballsy character. To, 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 I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> oh, you can say no, okay, yeah, but no, ballsy no. character to, to go back into the prison service yeah. as now a transgender, mm. when all those prisoners in there will now know what what yeah. was what and was all that the, like? And all those prisoners knew me as well, you know. So I was terrified. So like I said, I would rather be doing anything else than doing that, walking back through a prison gate. But who? How did they know? Um, the prisoners. Yeah. Because I still looked the same. I just shaved my head. It was a month after I'd come out. So you just went in there as a skinhead, grade naught, grade one, yeah, bam, and straight head. away, did they still not think, oh, she's Jess yeah. is gay? So so what happened was I obviously made this video. So the whole I know I've gone off the surgery topic, but yeah. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. Um. I made a video so that the so that the whole of prison service, my prison you, came out. So you've gone bosh, everyone have a look at that. Yeah, I did it while I was in Brighton. I was like, you have that. Wow. You deal with that while Fair I'm not player. there. Fair player. That's and actually then, probably a better way to do it. Go, yeah, there you go. Because I knew it go around like wildfire. Yeah, bang, yeah. done. And then my mates were getting every question on the sun. And yeah. I wasn't there and I was like, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, what What did you, what, what have you done? What have you done over the past two years to become Jack's. Become a man? So, because look at you now, I would think you're a man. You are a man. Yeah. But if you hadn't had this conversation, I'd yeah, be having yeah, yeah. a conversation with a fella here. Yeah. Like I wouldn't think you look like a girl <laughs> yeah. or was a girl. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like you've got a goatee and you've got it's a trying its best. Yeah, trying right, its best. How do you, like, you get a goatee? So and basically, a and... you have to go through a male puberty. Okay. So when you transition, you the waiting time with the NHS is um, I think it's up to about six years now, and People will kill themselves. 
Like people can't wait can't that long. Can't wait that long, okay. And you know, I'd got to the point where I was 28 years old. Like yeah. I was like, I know who I am. Like I need to do this. Yeah. Um, and so I, I saved money and I went privately, but even going privately, the waiting list at the time was about a year. I think it's more now yeah. because there's just so many more people like be feeling like it's okay. Yeah. And um, so what happens is you get assessed by um, a psychiatrist and what they do is they assess, you know, what, how you're feeling, what your mindset is, what you understand about the process, what you understand about what it will do to your body, what you want to do, yeah. you know, where you want to be. And, and then they um, decide whether, you know, you need counseling, whether we need to like, is this really what you want? Or they, they, if they think you are in a place where you know what you're saying yeah. and you really understand it. So Had you done your homework? so much that you knew what you wanted I, I just yeah i knew like what I'd, did you, I'd what lived did you in want? youtube for a year what did you want when you went in and said well i'm now jackson i i want what's your tick list what was it i just needed to for me i, I wanted i always wanted to get rid of my boobs yeah um but that were they big um they were like a c so okay so so they weren't like small big, they weren't okay. big um and what what happens was they then diagnosed me with gender dysphoria gender dysphoria yeah which is which is someone who who doesn't identify with the sex they were assigned at birth okay um so they diagnose me with that and then what happens then is they refer you to an endocrinologist who assesses you for hormones okay and tests all your levels and stuff like that and you know what what's strange is my mum all my life when i've had like different mental health issues she's always said like maybe you've got a hormone imbalance mm. and 100 percent i did because yeah. like testosterone just saved me yeah um so what they do is they do that and then um they have like a shared care agreement then with my doctor. Yeah. So you also need to have a supportive doctor because they can put a stop to it. Yeah. You know, if your doctor doesn't agree with it yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it's really hard to sort of be who you need to be. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, you're paying money for these things. And then I started on hormones. So effectively then you, you basically begin, begin a puberty. So for the last two years, I've basically been going through teenage boy life. Yeah. Um, so testosterone in terms of transitioning from female to male, um, it will change where you grow hair, um, where your body distributes fat. Um, men tend to hold fat more on the stomach, whereas women hold it on the hips and the thighs. Yeah. Um, the squaring of your jaw, the deepening of my voice, um, the, my hairline, um, everything that, that uh, a young boy would go through, that's basically what I was going through. So I was like shouting at wow. prisoners and my voice was like hitting the roof. <laughs> but you've just got to embrace it. But um, well, Are you injecting it? How yeah, so okay. I inject it, yeah. Where? So, um, I, I inject it in my leg. Okay. Um, at the minute, I inject it every 10 days. But you you basically have your levels checked, like, every few months to make sure that you're, you're not going, like, too much or yeah. whatever. Um, and then, for me, a massive, massive thing was, was my chest. Yeah. So um, I went to Miami. I went to a surgeon who I'd followed on social media for a long time and who, who knew the importance of aesthetics for me i'd researched her because i wanted to find a surgeon who understood the importance of where to put my scars yeah because it's basically effectively it's being cut from armpit to armpit so and a lot of a lot of surgeons um don't understand the importance of that and a lot of people have had like botched jobs where they put your nipples in the wrong place or they leave you like just cut you straight through the middle and you know it, it affects the way it yeah. then looks and the yeah, way yeah. you build your muscle and whatever else so I wanted someone who understood the importance of that because I wanted to be this visible person and I'd spent 28 years not loving my body. I wanted to love my yeah. body. So, um, 
How exciting this must have been as well. It's great because yeah, it's like, like a blank canvas. Yeah. You know, you're creating who you are. Brilliant. Um, so Good for you, by the way. Like this is, this is <laughs> like this you. is brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not to, boring you. No, 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 not at all. So you've gone there and, and you said, "Can you take my C's away?" Mm. What 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 happens from there? It just it's sewn so, back up, and then I want to know how you build pecs and. So what you do is underneath your boobs, you've got pec, you've got yeah. your pec muscles anyway. Yeah. I've always. Um, trained anyway so i've always so got, got okay. like, i had like an element of muscle left yeah but um what they do is is they put the incision like under your pecs yeah. so that you can then build muscle and there's not a big scar through okay. the middle okay and then what they do is they take the nipples off resize them because women have like bigger nipples yeah. and then sew them back on in the right place um did you get some big ones but effectively <laughs> do you want to see dogs? yeah go on <laughs> go on <clears throat> this was like a year yeah. ago oh wow so that's a year ago. So My God! Obviously, still taking care of the scars and stuff, but so they've taken the nipples off the boobs, put them back so on. You're effectively, pulling the skin down, yes. and then sewing it in the right place, and then obviously putting the nipples in the right place. Wow! My God! So that's some operation. Yeah. So, um, and I think things like that were the things that started to make mum and dad realise how vital it was. Okay. Um. So I spent about fifteen thousand pound up to now like just with private care and then it cost me about 13 to go to miami and have the surgery so you um, properly invested your own money into this yeah as well. wow. because because you, you can't put a price on your life like yeah. you can't put a price on happiness yeah and it was and with my boobs as well like i was taping them down so it can put you in a very dangerous position yeah. like if you then um you know get seen or caught that you've got boobs or whatever and people realize that you're trans and you don't right, want them to okay, know okay you know that causes another it, it can put you in a dangerous yeah. situation yeah, yeah, yeah so and it was holding me back and it was making me like hunch because i just okay. really didn't want to and i was taping them yeah. so i was like full of like blisters and cuts all over my back because okay. i was taping them down with like rock tape so you were you were taping them down so no one could see you actually had yeah because because i was obviously I, I was identifying as jack yeah. you know i was working in the prison like I'd, i couldn't have like visible boobs so those scars you got underneath there then if you're going on holiday now on a beach mm. holiday how many yeah. years are they going to be um be that i mean visible you have to like so i i use like a special cream to like okay, to blend because they've gone down a lot from what they were okay. but it's just about taking care of them and it, it's a few years before i can let them see sun but yeah um, and that was a, obviously that was a big thing for you to get the yeah, boobs massive. done. What was the next big thing for you? Um, I mean, obviously there's an there's an element of having bottom surgery, but for me right now, it's one. It's not where it needs to be in what, terms of in, in terms of so like constructing a penis, for example. It's not where it should be right now. I don't think where it's about four operations. It's a hell of a lot of recovery. It's over sixty thousand pound, and it's not functioning. Wow! So, for me right now, that's not worth putting my life on hold, putting me through all of that. You know, because I know what my mental health's like in a massive long recovery like that, and it's a big skin graft um, to to obviously make that. Plus, it might fail to make what to make a penis, and, and you might lose all feeling anyway. Yeah. Do you see? It's not like a catalog where you go and pick one. You get it. Off. I mean, you can. I think you can like pick what you might want it to like look like. Whatever. Oh yeah, page thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it gold comes from your skin, okay. from your leg, or from your arm. So 
but it could still fail and it might you might lose all feeling and all these that things. That must be some operation. That must so, be the whole new level yeah, compared so, to boobs, right? Yeah, so it's just not for my life right now. I just want to start living. Like yeah. I feel like I'm I'm 30 this year and I'm only two years into actually living as me and yeah. I don't want to put that on hold. You know, yeah. my biggest thing was my chest. Like I wanted to be able to take my top off. I wanted yeah. to be able to build the body that I wanted. Um, and so that was a massive for me. Um, so right now in terms of that, I'm quite happy, you know, there's ways and means. Yeah. So it's it's not vital for me yeah. right now, but one day maybe, I don't know. Are they, are they how far are they down the line on, on doing penises? I mean, like they in, can. Ter in terms of, God, yeah, we're the, you know, were they bang up to date and doing this, or do you still feel that they're still years behind I and maybe in 10 years' time? Not, yeah, okay, okay. I just don't think it's where it needs to be. Like, it's like I said, it's, it's years of operations. Like, it's you can get like one bit done and then another bit done. Like, it's massive, Jeez. it's a massive amount. Of, Why bother? That's what I mean. So, you know, I've got a very expensive prosthetic one, Dodge. It's yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it never gets soft. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey. Anyway, pull that out. No, I'm joking. So, um, it just, it's not vital for me right yeah. now. And it's, um, you know, people, women think that if they're attracted to me, it makes them a lesbian, some people. And it doesn't, they're still mm. a straight, you know, are you attracted to me as a man? Do you see me as a man? Do, you, do I make you feel like a woman? Yeah. You know, all of those things that people don't realize, it's the same. What would, that, what would happen if you pulled someone and you went back to yours? So. And you got unchanged, it was like there wasn't. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't surprise someone no, like that. No, okay, you wouldn't. You'd let them um, know. You'd let them know before. Yeah. I, okay. I don't think that I should have to go. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm trans. Yeah. But if you know, if you if you're getting to know someone or you're kissing someone in yeah. a pub or whatever. Yeah. But if you're about to be in someone's intimate space, I yeah. would always say, say you know, okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever like surprise. Right. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that. But um, you know, I definitely don't think it's something I should have to lead with. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I would always make someone aware because. I think it's fair for people to yeah, know agree. like what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's crazy because I, I, like I said, I felt like a freak. I felt like no one would ever want to be with me again. Like I was just horrendous. I'm sure but... you felt like that. But you know what? Chatting at this hour with you, I, I, I can just think, Good luck to you. This <laughs> is like you. amazing. Honestly, Jack, this is amazing. The, the amount of people are going to listen to this, I really I hope, so. hope they get yeah, behind yeah, this because so. yeah. we didn't know how this conversation was going to go when we first spoke. But when I... When I um, saw you on your Instagram and stuff, I was like, go on. Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely you. brilliant. Yeah. What's the what's the next step for you then? If you're not gonna get your old boy get your <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the right things to say here, Jay. No, if you're not gonna fine, get your fine. penis <coughs> put on, what's the next step for you then? So I just want to I just want to build a life as yeah. Jack, you know, I, I so I went back into the prison, obviously, and and as much as I wanted to take the staff along with me and everything else, yeah. I also wanted to take the prisoners because my message isn't about gender. It's about life. Yeah. And it's about having to do the difficult things that scare you more than anything yeah. to get to where you want to be. And so I work on, um, it's called a psychological informed planned environment, which is a small unit within the prison, which holds... Um, prisoners who are very much stuck in the system, a lot of lifers yeah. um, and people who over the years have struggled to manage their emotions, you know, maintain the relationships, figure out why they act the way they do. Yeah. Um, and they've been through a lot of trauma. So a lot of them knew me before. I obviously went back onto this unit and I do a lot of groups with them and talking about different things. And 
I spoke to them about everything, about being suicidal, about doing things that terrify you, about vulnerability, you know, and and embracing the power of that. Vulnerability is powerful, isn't it? Hundred yeah. percent, you know. And yeah. and I, and I said to them, you know, because they all keep this facade on, like you have to in prison, and people are brought up to believe that being vulnerable is weak mm. and being courageous is brave. Mm. But the definition of vulnerability is risk, uncertainty, or emotional exposure. The definition of vulnerability is risk, uncertainty, and... Emotional exposure. Emotional exposure, wow. And okay. there isn't a single act of courage that doesn't involve risk, uncertainty, yeah. or emotional exposure. Yeah. You can't go into war without feeling those things. You can't go into losing a loved one without mm. feeling those things. You can't, you can't act out any bit of courage mm. without being vulnerable first. And showing them that you have to be able to put yourself in a position where it could go really wrong because if you don't you're not putting yourself in a situation for it to be absolutely amazing either yeah, yeah. you have to do the hard things mm. like you have to and you have to look yourself in the mirror mm. repeatedly and tear yourself apart and go mm. why am i doing this mm. what is it what is the why what's the pain point mm. why why am i feeling like this and talking to them about everything and they've turned they were turning around to me and saying you're gonna make me a better man when oh, i get wow. out of prison to my nieces and nephews how powerful and is that it's amazing and yeah. you know you've proven that you're human too yeah. and that if you can be suicidal and go through your own journey yeah. right from the beginning walk back through a prison gate tell all of us about it and help us with our journey whilst you do it then anything is possible and it started to really give them the courage to change their own life. Because You're hugely courageous to just to do that. Yeah, to go well, back into a prison system. Yeah. <laughs> that's like going into the fire yeah. pit, but, really, but, isn't but it, it? But it, it it gained a level of respect yeah, I'm sure. that is hard to get yeah. from prisoners because prisoners put themselves in a dangerous situation, mm. sticking up for an office sort of mm. thing. And I've had prisoners stick up for me when people give me shit mm. because of that. And it's it's a, there's a level of respect there that's unbelievable and I've gained a massive level level of, of care and respect for them because they've literally been there from day one and watched mm. me go through this. And one of them, um, one of the, one of the guys, he's so I don't know how familiar you are with prison sentences, mm. but years ago they used to sentence people to IPP sentences, mm. which is an indefinite sentence mm. basically. And you know, if like you were a nuisance or whatever, mm. and you had re you'd repeated offence or whatever. So this guy I'm talking about, he got sentenced for two years. He's been in 16 and he's still in. Why? Because of his behavior. Okay. Because you get you get an indefinite sentence, yeah. you're on license forever. Yeah. You cannot get out of prison unless you pass a parole board. Yeah. So because he, it used to be a like a, a basically a sign off, you're mm. hopeless sort of thing. And that would that is how it would make people feel. Mm. And what these people do, and, and this guy specifically is, you know, heavily on drugs and, mm causing chaos within the prison and whatever else. And it's resulted in him being in 16 years. Mm. And he has completely turned his life around in the last two years, you know, working with me and on the unit and different things. And he can't tell me all the time, he's like, you've no idea the impact you have on me. Yeah. And about a year ago, we put on an, uh, a transgender awareness event in the prison to basically say thank you for all the support. And I made this documentary talking to like my mom and my friends and yeah. governors and all these things. So basically like just tell everyone about everything and um 
and I had these t-shirts made to involve the lads because they were all, they were the only prisoners allowed to go up. Mm. There was about 150 staff there from different prisons and stuff. So they were they were allowed to come up, and I had these t-shirts made, and I had three different t-shirts in blue, white, and pink for the for the trans flag, and on the front they all had a butterfly on, and on the back they had uh, like different quotes that I lived by. So one of them said, "Be unapologetically you." The other one said, remember who you are. And the other one said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And this guy had the pink one on and it said, be unapologetically you. And he came up to me and he was like, um, I'm gonna wear a, a jumper over under my t-shirt. So I was like, right, it's boiling up there. Like, mm. why? And he was like, well, I've never left the wing in 15 years without long sleeves on. He had like really bad and deep self-arm scars all down his arms. So he was like, I can't leave the wing like without long sleeves on. I've never done it. Um, really ashamed of him. And and I said to him, what does that T-shirt say on the back? And he was like, be unapologetically you. Mm. I said, what do we always talk about? I said, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I said, those scars are proof that you got through it. Mm. I said, look how far you've come. Go up and to go up there and show mm. everybody how far you've come. You're a completely different man. Go and be proud of that. Mm. And um, And he did. And he went up and he made this speech in front of 150 people about me and about the impact that I'd had on him and mm. that it inspired him to want to help others when he gets out and told everybody that he'd never been off the wing before mm. with his scars and it was just unbelievable, mm. like unbelievable. And it just, it, the the impact that it has on people because it's not about gender, it's about life. life yeah. Like everyone has to transition, whether you're transitioning from being a sports person to yeah. not, from yeah. the military to not, from prison to not, from drug addict to not. Mm. It's everyone has to go through these constant transitions, yeah. small or big. Yeah. And it's about having, finding the courage to live your truth mm. because that is what I want to inspire people mm. to do and not just keep it about that. You're inspiring. You're, you're <laughs> very inspiring, Jackson. You really are. You're really inspiring. What you're to inspire prison prisoners in prison yeah. is powerful. Yeah. And they're listening to you and understanding yeah, and on your journey. Because yeah. you could have gone back in there, you could have had all sorts of shit yeah. thrown at you constantly. Yeah. But you've taken them on the journey with you. Yeah. And it's so powerful and they're so Amazing. proud of it. Yeah. Like I made like a board with pictures from the event and every time the visitor comes on the wing, they're like, look at this, look what we did. Brilliant. And they're just so proud of it. And mm. they admit, you know, if I hadn't known you, I wouldn't have understood, I wouldn't have agreed, mm. but I've watched you go through this. I realize you're still a person. Yeah. I realize you're still exactly the same, you know, yeah. and that's what I wanted. I wanted people to realize that I'm still feeling, you can still have the same banter, you can still have everything. As long as it's not malicious, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. And but that's what the, that's the beauty I'm getting from this. You're very lighthearted with it. You are, you allow yeah, people to oh make mistakes God, or say the wrong thing out. or the right thing or the wrong thing. Because yeah. I was like, I don't know what Because was, if it's not malicious, yeah. I don't see why I should jump down your throat yeah. because it's not malicious. Yeah. Like, if it's, it's it, it just baffles me because I just mm. think you have to give people that time. Like, my dad now, completely different man. Yeah. Like, two years later, he came home from work the other month and he's just started a new job and he's the manager of something and um he'd he'd only been there a couple of weeks so not a lot of the employees knew like much about him or his kids or anything like yeah. that and he was stood like in the i think in like the admin bit and these these women were talking and they were talking about gender for some reason mm. and this lady um i think she was like in her 50s or 60s was talking about you know oh if i think that if you what if you're born that that's what you are and yeah. you know saying things like this old school 
Mm. Essentially, isn't it? That, yeah. Not being malicious, but yeah. lack of understanding. Yeah. Like, you know, because if it's never affected your life, you don't look into it. Yeah. So my dad's there listening to this and he's watched everything that I've gone through over mm. the last year and I've involved them all in everything. You know, I'm doing this for this and look at this impact and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he's, he told me, so he was listening to these women. So he didn't say anything. He went to the, one of the HR women who knew about me and stuff. And he was like, what do I say to her here? Like, if I go and tell her that now, she's going to want the floor to swallow her up. Yeah. And then um, this one was like, don't worry, like I'll tell her. Mm. So she did. And my dad went back over to her later on in the day and was like, you all right now, love? And this woman just <laughs> burst out crying. Like burst yeah. out crying, was yeah. like, oh my God, like I'm so sorry, mm. like I didn't mean it, blah, blah. Absolutely mortified and like devastated about the whole thing. And my dad was like, it's all right, like it's okay. Yeah. I was like, just just be mindful about what you're saying. You know, I could have been sat there and she wouldn't have known. Mm. And, and then he was like, go on his YouTube and go on his podcast yeah. and, and all these things. And he came home and told me that. And I was like, have you any idea what you've just done? Breakthrough, isn't it? Yeah. Like you've just changed the mindset. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, by changing one, you change hundred. Yeah. Because she'll take that home. That's right. And she'll watch that because it affected her. Mm. And she'll tell someone else. She'll tell her kids. Mm. And she won't talk about that mm. again. And I was like, you've no idea what you've just done, yeah. have you? Absolutely What's no idea. What's your old idea. man's name? Terry. Go on, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Terry. And it's incredible <laughs> because yeah. the, the fact that, and I think it's because. Because they've come on the journey with me, I've not mm. just gone accept it. Mm. By giving people the time to just watch and just learn, learn. and make mistakes yep. and and see what I'm doing and see what I'm talking yeah. about on clips and on social media mm. and, and seeing the impact it has on people and then watching me build like what I've been building over yeah. the last year. They've come on that journey yeah. and they've they're not just They're embracing it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not just sticking up for me because I'm their kid. Yeah. Actually they're, embracing they're actually it. becoming yeah real allies of that community you, you mentioned that a minute ago this last year tell me where people can find you on youtube and instagram and and your podcast um so instagram and tiktok is jacks rider feely and how do you spell that j-a-x-i-y-d-e-r-f-w-l-e-y -E yeah um and youtube and apple Podcasts and stuff is live your truth mm. powerful hey yeah. just before we finish up here the past two years have been a mad two years <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah mate the last 30 years have been a mad 30 years but the last two years you know have been something i guess you couldn't really write no do you know what i mean you couldn't write it you couldn't write it and we're having this conversation no. i'm loving this conversation by the oh, way yeah. are you happy today happier than i've ever been yeah it's absolutely an inside job and i, I think i've massively realized that it's about enjoying the journey yeah. and it's about enjoying the process. Like if you drop me off at the top of the mountain, I wouldn't be happy because yeah. I've not gone through the climb. Yeah. Like you have to find the ability to enjoy the little things in your everyday life because happiness isn't an end result. Mm. You have to find what what is your truth. And mm. I want to inspire people to realize that you are the revolution that you're waiting for. Mm. Like I spent 28 years looking for something and I found it in myself. Have you got any advice for anyone listening to this who might be going through the same thought process that you went through? People are terrified of living true to the self. The most, it's been researched, right, that the most, um, I don't know the word, the, the most things that people say on the deathbed, what curers and nurses have researched 
is I wish I would have lived a life yeah. more true to myself. Yeah. Because if I put a sand timer in front of you now mm. and said, that's your time, mm. you would start living how mm. you want to live. Mm. But because people can't see time and they think we've got infinite amounts that's of right. it, think it's all right, that's I'll right. do it, I'll do it. And then before you know it, you're turning around and you've made everyone Same. else happy. Yeah. You've done what everyone else thinks. You know, you've been bothered about trolls and people taking the piss mm. and whatever else. Mm. I get more abuse on TikTok than I do in the prison. Mm. It just goes over my head because yeah. if you're not out there putting yourself in the arena and doing what terrifies you every day, yeah. I've got absolutely no interest in what you've got to say. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You have to live a life for you because mm. sooner or later you're going to turn around and think, where did it all it's go? I had one chance. I do it. Right. I, I know the average person's got 29,000 days. Well, there you go. Don't see. sound a lot, does it? So if you put that on, yeah. if you put that calendar in front of someone every day, they'd start going, shit, shit I need to start living more. I need to start doing I this. Really I really care what, do this. what you call it said or what she said or he said. I don't care. You yeah. know, you've got to be living your life. But but that is, is more than anything. Yeah. You, know, you, are, you are your evolution, 100%. I've really, really enjoyed this episode, <laughs> Jackson. Like, really enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad. really. Glad. I thank you for being so open. Oh, it's okay. And thanks we'll for bouncing. One day. I'd love to do a part two. Yeah, thanks, yeah. For, thanks for bouncing. And I've learned a load this, this episode. And, you're one of the most mentally tough person I've ever met oh, in my life. You. I mean that. For what you've gone through. I haven't felt it for a long time. No, I'm so sure thank not. You. But you seem like you're in a really good place. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, and massive respect to your mum and dad and your family around you because they've been there for you, you know? Yeah, they've, and been, they must they've have been absolutely incredible. Yeah, incredible. Jackson, you're an absolute star and I really appreciate you driving <laughs> all the way down from Wigan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's your old man, Peter K. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you'll think of now. That is, isn't it? Oh, thank you. Cheers. Honestly, thank Cheers. You. Good luck thank to you. you. Cheers, you. Jackson.